Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast where every episode is a party, a socialist party. (laughs) 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 Clever. Today, we have Kellen, Zoe, and Laura. And we have a great guest today as well, here to talk to us about building a socialist political party. Tatiana Cozzarelli writes for Left Voice, where she talks about socialist feminism, socialist strategy, and what she's called the imperialist bromance between Donald Trump and Brazil's Jair Bolsonaro. (laughs) She's also a fierce organizer and active in the DSA Socialist Feminist Working Group, and a PhD candidate in urban education at the City University of New York. Um, and she also presumably sleeps sometimes. I I don't know how. Um, at any rate, welcome to Season of the Bitch, Tatiana. We are so excited Yay. to have you. Thanks for welcome. having me, guys. Yay! Yeah, for sure. We're excited to, to get going. But, um, Tatiana, is there anything else you want to like say in introducing yourself? Also, just um, to hold space for that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm in the Socialist Feminist Working Group, and I have I came to, to Marxism um, and actually consider myself a Trotskyist. I came to that like when I used to live in Brazil, um, when I was really involved in the student movement there, and also in like different uh, labor struggles that really radicalized me. Um, and I still like feel really connected to uh, Latin American uh, like socialist uh, movements. And uh, Left Voice is also part of an international where it has uh, groups in lots of different countries, in particular in, in Argentina. So um, I think that those political experiences and that kind of internationalism is really important uh, for us who are living in the U.S. in the belly of the imperialist beast, if you will. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, so we were thinking of starting off, if you could talk a little about the current political situation and, like, what you think it would take to fix that and what, like, strategies you're Just looking like at. Just, like, a simple, easy question yeah. to get us started. In, like, a sentence. <laughs> Super easy, right? <laughs> it's, like, everything is going great. Uh, <laughs> you know? Nothing to worry about, guys. Yeah, okay, don't, cool. so don't worry. The episode's over. Uh, talk to you next week. <laughs> um yeah no I mean there's a lot to talk about here but I think that like to me I think this is a really important question to kind of start us off on because we're seeing uh both in the U.S. and around the world um a lot of crisis right like political crisis uh aspects of economic crisis um and a lot of political polarization you know like in U.S. or France and Brazil uh there's a sort of crisis of the neoliberal center, right? All the neoliberal parties are are having a tough time. Um, and so there's a polarization to the left and the right, right? Like uh, the right-wing phenomena, like the emergence of the extreme right, uh, like Bolsonaro in Brazil, um, that, you know, I'm particularly moved by because I, I my family's Brazilian and I used to live there. Um, and, you know, also in the U.S., you have, you know, Trump uh, and his, uh, extreme right wing policies and politics and the the right wing uh, sort of militias and folks that he has uh, radicalized and mobilized. Um, but I also think we're seeing the emergence of um, sort of progressive or new ways of thinking that aren't actually new, but they're new to like our lifetimes, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Like, I remember being young and I used to say I was a Marxist, even though, like, I didn't really know what that was. Um, And people kind of thought that that was silly or didn't make any sense. Um, And and now, you know, you have the exponential growth of the DSA. Um, You have all these folks who are voting for Bernie Sanders. Um, And so I think it's like a really dynamic moment. You know, we're seeing the uh, like in Sudan and Algeria, uh, you know, leaders being Uh, deposed by the masses, the yellow vest mobilizations in France, the women's movement in Argentina, um, the maquila strikes in Mexico, the reemergence of the strike in the U.S., uh, especially among teachers. So I don't know, it's a really dynamic moment. Um, But I also think it's also a scary moment, right? Because uh, we're seeing the effects of decades of neoliberalism that have been carried out by both Democrats and Republicans 
you know, particularly impending climate disaster that has a lot of people, uh, including myself, uh, really worried, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing just right now the, uh, the ongoing attempted coup in, in Venezuela, you know, uh, the, the building of the border wall, uh, a, a, a real uh, immigration, quote, crisis, um, you know, that has been a product of imperialist wars, imperialist coups, immigration that is caused by that, um, both in the U.S. and in Europe. So I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, in, in this moment, it, it's, uh, we're looking at really dire circumstances um, and really uh, vast inequalities, you know. Um, and, you know, more and more working class people are getting squeezed, uh, you know, the the wealthiest are getting wealthier and the working class is having more and more austerity mm-hmm. uh, implemented against us. Um, and so I think that the issue for me, like the conclusion, what conclusion can we take from all that is that I think we actually uh, have to be realistic, right? Um, do we want a UN and U.S. imperialism? Do we want to end, uh, uh, do we want to really make uh, a change in terms of uh, uh, the and trying to stop the impending climate disaster. Do we want to end police uh, police brutality and mass incarceration? Do we want to abolish ICE and open the borders? Um, then, if we want that, I think we have to be realistic. And I think the only realistic way um, to address those issues is to uh, plan for um, and organize for uh, a revolution. Um, and a revolution that would expropriate the capitalists and put all of society in the hands of democratically run committees of workers and oppressed people. And I think a lot of people, you know, tend to think that that's sort of the idealistic position, but I actually don't think it's idealistic. I think given uh, the level of crisis that we're facing, it's the only realistic um, option. And so the question before us, I think, uh, isn't, you know, should we organize uh, <laughs> or socialism, it's how are we going to organize? Um, and I think that, that you know, I, I think we have to organize for revolution. I don't think the capitalists are just going to give it up nicely, you know? Um, so I yeah, think that's course. where we're at right now, you know? They've never given up anything nicely ever. So <laughs> this will be no different. <laughs> so there's um, like a, a lot that you just talked about that I really want to get into. Um but, uh, you know, Tati and I have talked before and um, about how she feels like the the way to make this happen is a, a or one of the things we need to do to make this happen is to build um, an independent socialist party. And so I think, a, you know, a good way to get further into this conversation is is to clarify, like, what do we mean when we're talking about an independent socialist party? Yeah, um, I think that's really important to, to talk about. Um, like I said, I think we have to organize for revolution. And I think that in order to do that, we're going to need folks uh, who who want to organize in that direction, right? Um, and who in, to dedicate their lives to that project, you know? Uh, the capitalists have lots of people who dedicate their lives to maintaining uh, the power and profits of the capitalist class. So we need to have a bunch of people who dedicate their lives to, to dismantling it, to burning it all down. Um, so I think that like when we say independent socialist party, I think we have to start by, you know, why independent, right? Um, and I think it's really central, um, really, really, really central, um, that we organize independent of the capitalist parties, both the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, and I'm going to assume nobody who listens to your podcast, uh, I need, I don't think I need to explain why we need to be separate from Republicans. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to skip that. Mom, if you're listening, um, (laughs) I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can call you. I can have a separate conversation with your mom. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. Um, but like, let's talk about the Democrats. Right. Um, I think that, you know, it's funny. My roommate is Mexican. And, um, when she first moved here, she was like, yo, people talk about the Democrats, like, they're progressive. Like they talk about the Democrats the way that, you know, people in Latin America talk about the workers party or Lopez Obrador in Mexico. And, you know, those folks are also have their problems. Like I don't, I don't support them, but the Democrats are like the 
the they're imperialists. They're like the party of capital, the party of Wall Street. Uh, they're the party of the Zionist lobby. They they kill people, you know. <laughs> they organize coups. They drop bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. are uh, one leg of, uh, you know, one of two legs of uh, U.S. imperialism. And U.S. imperialism is no joke. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so I think that, you know, we can't underestimate what the Democrats are, you know. Um, and even though they like to, I don't know, dress themselves up as, progressive or on the side of working people or on the side of oppressed people, um, they're not, you know, they're responsible for family separations, incarceration, death, bombs, all of those things. So we have to organize separate from them. Um, they're really effective at, uh, at being the graveyard of social movements, right. Of, uh, of trying to convince people that, you know, maybe this time it'll be different, Mm -hmm. right. Maybe Mm -hmm. this time, they'll respond to the needs of the working class, or maybe this time uh, they'll support black folks. And the thing is that they love to make those kind of campaign problem premises. But um, what we've seen over and over again is that, uh, you know, that there are usually almost no reforms uh, passed under the Democratic Party, Um, sometimes a few very small ones, but at the price of everything I've already mentioned, you know. Um, And so I think, you know, given that I think we have to organize for socialism, um, I think it's important that we organize separate from them, right? And the thing is that, like, we need to, um, as socialists, we need to also raise class consciousness. And that means the working class realizing that, like, that we are separate from the capitalists, that that we actually need to organize against them, and that their tools aren't our tools, right? Um, That the Democratic Party is a tool uh, used against us. It's a tool of Wall Street. Um, and so I think that, that we have to uh, be saying that to folks, you know, nah, we need to have our own party that represents the interests of the working class. Um, and I would say more than that, too, like, um, you know, I would consider myself a revolutionary socialist. Um, and by that, I mean that I think that, you know, we have the conditions to live really, really uh, full and lovely lives. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we could organize society so that we don't have to work very much so that, you know, we can spend our day, I don't know, making art, or having sex, making podcasts, you know, um, that's like my <laughs> ideal day. I know, that's <laughs> what I think, um, <laughs> but we don't live that way and we don't live that way uh, because the state and production is organized by and for a small group of bazillionaires, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that, uh, you know, we deserve to, to live well um, in both in the U.S. and around the world. And I think to make that happen, we need to overthrow capitalism, you know, disarm the cops uh, and make society run, you know, like I was saying, democratically by, uh, you know, workers and oppressed people. Um, and I think that, you know, that important work uh, begins uh, by building a party that is clear about this, right? That's clear about, well, you know, what's, what, uh, what is the Democratic Party? What is the Republican Party? They're parties of capital. Uh, we need to have our own tool. In society, like the working class, we don't have shit, right? We don't mm-hmm. own shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't, you know, we don't own our apartment. We don't own, we, we pay rent. We, uh, we have to sell our labor time. We, we don't own shit, right? Um, and the only thing that we might have is a party, a group that's ours and that we can use it as a tool to like, you know, crush the capitalists. But we have to build that, you know, and I think that that's kind of the project of our lifetimes, you know, um, I think it's the, the project of our lifetimes. And I think that the, that we need that or really urgently, you know, given like I was mentioning about climate disaster, you know, um, mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. So like, what are, what are the steps that like we'd need to take to make that happen in your mind? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, to begin with, I think that ideas really matter Mm. um, and goals really matter. So I don't think that this is just going to happen. I don't, 
I think that uh, successful, you know, expropriation of the capitalists um, that, you know, with where the working class, you know, takes power. Uh, I don't think that that just falls from the sky. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> Um, we have to have folks who organize for it. Um, and we have, need to have folks who organize for it with really clear ideas and really clear goals. Um, and so I think part of it is that, you know, we need to learn from, you know, the past, uh, revolutions from the past, right? What worked, what, what didn't. Um, and I think we have, we have giants to stand on, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really, really for uh, study, you know? Um, and because I think that all of this can only work with folks having clear ideas. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason that uh, I write for Left Voice, because our idea is, you know, to, to try to have some, uh, some strategic and political and programmatic clarity about, well, how do we fight for socialism? And I think that some of the primary ideas that we need to build around are independence of the working class from the capitalists, right, and their parties. Um, I think we need to build around the idea of fighting against the union bureaucracy, mm. you know, uh, the union bureaucrats that make mad money and really represent capitalist interests within the working class and within our unions. And the unions should be ours. It should be run democratically by workers, not by, you know, some bureaucrats that always trying to like stifle workers' struggles. Mm. Um, I think we have to fight against oppression, against, you know, uh, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, uh, racism. Um, and I think we have to fight against also among the ranks of so-called socialists. I think we have to fight against, you know, class reductionism. Um, I think we have to fight against oppression and, and, and that's really important. And I think we have to fight, uh, we have to be internationalists and anti-imperialists. Um, and that's particularly important in the U S you know, um, it's important everywhere, but really important here. I would argue you ain't shit in the U S if you're not anti-imperial. <laughs> so I don't know. But I think we also can't be armchair Marxists, right? We mm -hmm. need praxis. Uh, you know, we have to participate in class struggle and social movements. And I, I actually think that, um, you know, it has to be, uh, if you will, dialectical <laughs> relationship yeah. uh, between uh, study and experience, between study and struggle, you know? Uh, we have to take what we experience and struggle, struggle and use it to draw conclusions, you know, about how uh, to best fight and how to move towards socialism. Um, and so I think we have to organize in our workplaces, you know. Um, if we want to put those workplaces under worker control one day, we have to organize there. Um, and not just like for labor demands like higher wages, um, which I definitely, definitely, definitely think we should fight for higher wages, but I also think we can fight in our workplaces um, against oppression, right? Like organizing against sexual harassment or police violence. Um, and I think that's how we can move towards uh, a revolutionary working class, uh, a working class that, is, you know, doesn't only fight for, uh, you know, sort of the, the economic interest in your own workplace, but actually says, you know what, like, we can solve all of the problems of society, right? The capitalists, they love to fucking make promises to us, right? Um, they love to say that, you know, they're going to make things better, but they can't and they won't, right? Uh, the working class, we are the ones uh, who can uh, build uh, the kind of society that, that, and the kind of lives that we really uh, deserve to live, you know? Um, so I think that that we have to build in our workplaces um, and not with a class reductionist point of view, uh, but with the idea that, you know, if the working class, you know, runs everything in society, like, you know, the subway that I took to, to get to my apartment to do this podcast or, you know, made this computer or whatever, um, we run everything. So if we put that strength uh, at the service of fighting against oppression and, and fighting against the capitalists, um, I think that, you know, I think we can defeat capitalism, but I think it's, it, it takes organizing in our workplace and it takes uh, clear ideas and strategy, you know? Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up the class reductionists, which is what I was going to bring up next. Um, something that like, I definitely wish we didn't have to, or I didn't feel like we had to be so explicit about in this conversation, but since there is a lot of tension on the left over like identity politics, um, 
you know, it does seem necessary for us. So like as we're building this socialist party and, you know, preparing for our revolution, like how do we make sure that we are, we as in the larger we, not us specifically who obviously do have this in mind, but like how do we make sure to be including like feminist issues, anti-racist issues, LGBT issues, et cetera, into the larger movement? Yeah, I think that this question is really central. And actually, this is one of the reasons that I'm actually a Trotskyist is because one of the things that Trotsky actually talks about is, and I know I'm like, here we go talking about theory. But <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know that much about it. Trotsky, so I'm excited to learn some more. Actually, right. that's, that's a good point, too. If Tatiana, if while you're talking about this, you want to like tell some of our listeners who are maybe not so in the weeds with the various sort of theorists of Marxism, what it means what you mean by saying you're a Trotskyist. That would also be great. Cool. Um, so let me go to the Trotsky question real quick. And then I'll like, because I'll, I'm, yeah, I can say that very briefly. Basically, uh, Trotsky, he was, he was a dude. He, uh, he helped <laughs> the Russian Revolution. Um, and, you know, uh, and yeah, he, he, uh, he was the leader of the Red Army and he was part of the Bolshevik Party when they did the Russian Revolution, which was 100 years ago. So, um, Mm. you know, it was a long time ago. But the reason that I, you know, some people are like, oh, these old theorists. And the thing is that, like, um, I'm not trying to say we should, you know, and I don't think Trotsky would have said that we should, you know, just like follow him like a Bible or anything like that, because that's not what Marxism is about. Uh, But I do think that what he does is... um, is he is the threat of continuity, you know, from Marx um, to afterwards you have, uh, you know, you have Rosa um, who really fights against reformism in her political party in Germany. You have Lenin. And then you have this terrible Stalinist thing, you know, that uh, kills lots of people and takes away women's rights and, and all this shit, you know. And Trotsky fought real hard against that, you know. Um, and he actually, uh, he got killed for it. And so did people in his family, you know, um, his kids got killed for it. And, um, and they got killed because, um, they said, you know what, Stalinism isn't socialism. Um, the, the kind of oppression, um, and, uh, strengthening of the bureaucracy in, in, in the Soviet Union, that's not socialism. We, we should have something else. And, you know, he so when one of the things that he says, and this gets to your second question, is that so he actually says um, in his theory of the permanent revolution, he says that um, that the way that we make a revolution, it, it could be for demands that aren't necessarily socialist. Right. Um, so the thing that might get people excited to overthrow capitalism, it might not be, um, you know, socialism now right (laughs) um in the soviet union it was peace land and bread Mm. and all power to the soviets you know and uh and so i think that what does that mean for us today right i think that that means that i think that uh demands around uh especially in the u.s around uh black liberation uh could absolutely be the motor for revolution you know if it's taken up by uh, the working class and the working class shows, you know what, uh, the capitalists love to make promises to you, but they won't, uh, stop max incarceration. They won't stop, uh, you know, police brutality, uh, but the working class can and will. Right. Um, and so to me, um, I think that that's really central. And I think that, uh, that, you know, it won't happen again naturally. I think that that has to be part of the intervention of socialists in our workplaces, you know? Um, And like I was mentioning to y'all earlier, um, you know, Left Voice is part of an international. And, um, you know, in Argentina, we have a a pretty big group called Partido de Trabajadores Socialistas, Party of Socialist Workers. Um, And so we have comrades there who have organized, uh, for example, in this in this print shop called Madiraf, um, they the comrades there organized a strike so that a trans woman uh, would be called by her name by the manager mm-hmm. um, and would be allowed to go to the women's bathroom. Uh, so they the they went on strike for that. And again, this doesn't happen naturally, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
it had to do with the social the socialists who were there, you know, who were, uh, you know, day to day working at that factory with the shit conditions, like talking to folks and convincing them like, no, nah, this isn't right. And like, we should go on strike for this. You know, uh, we should put our jobs on the line for this. Um, and they did. And the manager, you know, was like, fine, I will call her by her name and she can use the women's bathroom. Um, and actually, a year later, uh, those same workers, um, that factory closed down and uh, the workers took it over and they put it under worker control and it's still under worker control today. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the workers will tell you that going on strike for the rights of a trans co-worker actually really strengthened them and showed them that, you know, they could run the factory better than their bosses, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think that there's no... You know, the, the fight against oppression um, is only um, strengthening to, to the working class, yes. you know, mm. um, it, 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 it will only strengthen us. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's like a really important thing that socialists can contribute uh, to struggles in our workplaces um, is that we have to be the people who uh, sort of expand struggles and uh, try to inspire folks to take up demands uh, that, you know, maybe folks wouldn't normally take up, you know? Um, so I think that's really central. Did that answer y'all's questions? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that story um, because I think it is a really... Um, really uh, precise and proven i guess answer to the the question or the the sort of statement that's brought up that um these sort of what are called identity questions are not like working class issues and the idea that worker solidarity coming around um to defend a member of you know a workers group that is the most marginalized is what creates class consciousness in the first place. And that that is like very specifically a tool um, to get towards, you know, closer to it as socialist end, I think is so important. Um, and I am so glad well, that you and shared that. It's just like, it's so intuitive to be like, we're all oppressed under capitalism, but people are oppressed in different ways based on these identity factors. And to not have that as part of the discussion and, or somehow like try to separate it out instead of like weaving it together in these ways that you were describing just feels like kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it is, it is, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. The idea that, um, that, well, in some, it doesn't make any sense to me because I think that if your goal, um, is, uh, you know, socialism and socialist revolution, um, then there's no way around it, right? Like the working class uh, will it will only be revolutionary if we uh, can show that we that we can run society better. If we form a working class that you know uh, that that runs society better than the capitalists could, you know. Um, and so that means we have to fight against all that racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, um, all that stuff. Um, but I think that the, the thing is that a lot of the folks who are class reductionists are a lot of the same folks who, um, who really are um, actually reformists, right? They're not looking to overthrow capitalism. Um, mm. They're looking to make some minor reforms, you know? And if you're looking to make some minor reforms, then uh, you're probably going to have to throw somebody under the bus, you know? Uh, the minor reforms that are made... Um, often happen on the backs of the most oppressed, you know? Um, and so I think that, you know, what we see, the sort of class reductionism, um, I think it has to do with uh, this idea that, um, you know, that you can't, uh, you know, fight for all of society. Uh, you have to, you have to compromise, you know, you have to. Um, and, and so I think that, I think that that's part of where it comes from, you know? Totally. That kind of leads into the next question that I have, which, um, so like, I'm already like so fucking annoyed with the 2020 election talks and all of the chaos and circus nonsense around it. Um, but I think, so the, I don't even know, there's so many pieces, right. So that we've kind of already covered, but I think on, on the one hand, you know, we just, what we just described, 
I really identify with. And then at the same time, when we think about these elections um, and we do think about like that, there are, there are material ramifications for, um, for people based on outcomes of elections and not to say that the material conditions will shift enough or like as much as we need them to. Um, so I guess I have two questions. Like, what do you think about, like, what do you think about, I guess I'm like kind of curious on what you think about voting in general. Cause I am always like, uh, in, in this specific system that is not actually democratic, you know? Um, and I guess I think we've talked about this a bit, but what do you, what are your thoughts on the ways in which people on the left are talking about these elections? Um, and what do you think is, is really missing there? Easy questions, guys. Easy questions. (laughs) (laughs) Hard hitting journalism here. (laughs) No. So I guess what I would say, uh, first is that, um, the elections and like you're pointing to, right? Like elections are not democratic at all. Mm -hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? The electoral college, like what (laughs) is that? You know, um, (laughs) like if you don't even have the popular vote in the U S like folks who are imprisoned, can't vote. Uh, lots of folks who are not even in prison, but were imprisoned in the past can't vote. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's not, it's not democratic, right? It doesn't, it's not democratic at all. Um, and, you know, I don't think that the uh, I don't think we're going to get to socialism via elections. Right. right. Um, and I and so I think that, you know, no, it is, is elections, um, you know, the the way that, that socialists win socialism. No. Right. Um, so it's not really our terrain. You know, we don't get to make the rules or any of that. They fuck us over the whole time. You know, um, it's like you can't even it's, it's difficult to run um, independent candidates in the U.S., um, although it's definitely less difficult than in Brazil, for example, where um, to you have to be a registered political party, whatever. It's it's complicated, um, but yeah. So it's not it's not so easy uh, to 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 run candidates in the U.S. At the same time, like, um, do I think socialists should run in elections? Yes, but mm-hmm. I think that socialists should run um, independent socialist candidates, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think the the point of running in elections is that. You know, unfortunately, the way things work is that, uh, you know, every four years, people, you know, politic politicians start making promises. They go on campaign tours. All of a sudden, people are talking about politics, whatever. Um, it's not something that, like, folks are usually thinking about in their day to day. But in election time, more people are thinking about politics, right? And so in some ways, it's sort of this, like, natural microphone. And so I think that as socialists, we need to take the mic, if you will. Um, but on our terms, right? And so it can be a way uh, to to show and say, look, these these political parties, they've been screwing you over, right? Um, and folks know that. I think that a lot of folks know that. Um, we we need to build our own our own thing with our own strength as workers. Um, I think that that absolutely we should participate in in elections. Um, you know, um, and and I think it. it but not with the goal of thinking like, oh, we're going to um, get to socialism this way. Right. Um, or even that we're necessarily going to do like what's called harm reduction in that way. Um, mm. No, like the, the, what we win, we win in the streets because we fought for it. We win in, in, our, in the streets and in our workplaces, you know. Um, I think that, but it is a way to, to, to show people, look, there's a divide between the capitalists and us. And, uh, and we should do our own thing, you know. Um, so I don't know, again, like, um, I have comrades in Argentina who, um, the, the PTS, uh, that I mentioned is actually, um, part of an electoral coalition with two other Trotskyist parties. Um, and you know, they, uh, it's called the left and workers front. And so they oppose all capitalist parties. They oppose imperialism. Uh, you know, they, um, you know, they're for the rights of the oppressed and working class and, and, you know, they actually have members of National Congress as well as state and city council. Um, but the thing is that they have, um, you know, a program, right? Like, they, so they have clear agreements um, so they, that people don't get to, you know, 
you know, like if someone, if one of our candidates or one of those folks was like, actually, like capitalism is great, like they wouldn't be allowed to be the representative anymore, you know? Um, and also none of the members of parliament make more money than a teacher. Um, mm. So their salaries um, are, are limited because we don't think that politicians should live better than the working class, you know? Um, and those members of parliament, um, they actually donate the rest of their salary to workers' struggles, right? Um, and, uh, and, you know, they're always on the front lines when there's a workers' picket um, or things like that. You know, sometimes that means that they get beat up or tear gassed by the cops. And, and so, you know, but they use their seats in the government to show, uh, you know, to amplify the struggles of workers and oppressed people, you know? Um, so, you know, it's one thing if, you know, just some regular person gets beat up by the cops. It's another thing if, you know, member of national parliament, Nicolás del Caño, gets beaten up by the cops, you know, the, <laughs> the media cares about that shit. And so um, we found that it's a real way to uh, amplify uh, the struggle of workers and oppressed people. And in, and in Congress, we vote no um, a lot, you know. We vote no on the budget every single time. Um, we, we vote we vote no a lot. We vote yes sometimes. For example, we voted yes um, to the to uh, legislation that would have legalized abortion, for example. Um, but but we vote no a lot. Um, and so I think that you know uh, I think that that it's possible to run in elections um, in a way that advances the struggles of the working class and oppressed um, if we're clear that we're there. Um, to do that, right? To amplify the struggles of the working class and oppressed, uh, not to, you know, uh, win piecemeal, piecemeal reforms that you've negotiated, you know, uh, behind the backs of folks and that you had to compromise uh, in order to get, you know? Absolutely. So this question is like, kind of, again, related to everything we've been talking about. Um, but so I, I mean, like I am a part of DSA, but I, I have a lot of issues with DSA. Um, and I think sometimes when we think about organizing, people are very like DSA centric. And I guess my question for you, because I think you have this very um, multilateral way of looking at organizing. Um, I just was curious, like, what are the ways you think that people can unite and organize outside of the DSA as leftists, like even DSA members, but like as this mass worker party, as you're describing. Um, and I think that, you know, in some cities, the DSA functions in such an incredible way, but in a lot of cities like my own, it's like, it's, it's impossible to imagine the type of organizing that DSA alone would possibly do here. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious on how, like, I guess what your vision is for uniting leftist groups in, in these ways. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, on one hand, I think that, you know, some people like to talk about unity on the left. Right. Um, and I think that we need to think about what that means. Right. So totally. Yes. I just like, want to clarify that I'm not saying like, <laughs> not saying like, let's uh, like let our standards slide for like opportunists or whatever the fuck. I mean, more like, I think what you're describing as the vision for this, like being central and that not necessarily holding fast to only the DSA, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think that, so one of the things you said, which I also sort of wanted to clarify because uh, you know, you, you mentioned like, you know, we need to have a mass workers party and actually this might seem counterintuitive, but here we go. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I, I am of the Vanguard party strain and basically what that means, um, because I think it's talked about a lot and, you know, who knows, <laughs> people say a lot of things. Um, and what I, what that means to me is that Basically, we have to organize with the folks who most want to fight, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not about elitism. It's not about, like, you didn't read this book. 
Um, nah, it's about, no, we, the, the thing is like every struggle that you're in, there's always, um, the folks who most want to fight, who are like the folks who, even when they're defeated or like, okay, like let's regroup and figure out how to do it again. You know, there's the folks who are in the middle who could kind of go either way. And then there's the folks who are the right wingers that are like, fuck this, like <laughs> I'm with the bosses, you know? And so I think we need to organize, um, the vanguard, right? The people who are the people who are going to fight and that even when we lose, we're going to think about, well, okay, well, what lesson can we learn and how are we going to regroup, you know? Um, and so to me, um, we need to organize a, a party, a group of people um, that that is the vanguard in our workplaces, in the places where we study, you know? Um, folks who agree, you know? Because the thing is that if we don't organize with folks who agree with us, then when it comes time to take action, we can't take action because ever, nobody agrees on what action to mm. take or where to go or what we're doing, you know? Um, I think that's a problem. I'm in the DSA. That's a problem we see in the DSA a lot, you know, um, where, you know, in, in, in New York City, for example, there's uh, a whole campaign around decriminalizing sex work, but then Bernie Sanders goes and votes for SESTA-FOSTA. And you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he's voting for the exact opposite of, of what we're organizing around, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, it's really important to organize uh, with folks who agree, you know, with folks who agree and who want to fight, um, who agree that we need to be separate from the Dems and the Republicans. We need our, our own thing. We're anti-imperialist. We fight for the for against oppression you know, uh, we fight the union bureaucracy. And the thing is that, but at the same time, I think some people are like, oh, that means you want to be like five people all alone. Right. <laughs> um, and I don't think it means that either. Um, I think that what it means is that, uh, you know, those folks, like we have to be really active in our workplaces in the places where we study in the places where in our communities. Right. I've seen lots of times where, you know, there might be folks who maybe don't agree with me on everything, but they know, um, you know, if shit goes down, like, this is who you got to talk to, you know, like mm. you build trust with folks, you know. Um, and so I think that the idea is that we have to build um, what would be called like a vanguard party, but with mass influence, you know. Um, so not everybody is going to agree with you on everything, you know, um, but it, you have a lot of influence, like, and when it comes time to fight, a lot of people are going to stand with you, you know? Um, and so I think that that's the kind of organization we need to build. A group with, with a lot of agreements that, that, you know, sort of fights with, if you will, like, uh, uh, you know, one fist, right? Like, we, we, we understand, well, where are we, what do we want and how are we trying to get there, you know? Um, but also we have connections to communities, to our workplaces, um, you know, folks who, who on a lot of issues will, uh, will fight alongside us, you know, and, uh, and will fight for the rights of the working class and oppressed, you know? So, um, I think that that's kind of the, the kind of, uh, organization, that's the kind of organization that I think, uh, could actually make a revolution, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, cause a lot of these big organizations, they're big on paper, but then when it comes time to get shit done, um, shit doesn't get done, you know, um, either because folks don't agree or because there's a lot of paper members and, and stuff like that. I think it's better um, to, to have folks who who have some clarity, um, you know, um, organizing together um, and then reaching out to, to folks to do united actions. You know, uh, we yeah, like we have to fight um, with the broadest number of people against the rise of the right. Um, we have to fight with the broadest number of people, you know, for immigrants' rights. You know, for example, when the migrant caravan was going on, like, I think that uh, was really important, you know. What the U.S. Uh, does or doesn't do in other countries has to do um, in part with how strong the left is here, you know. Um, and uh, it might, you know, it, uh, the strength uh, of the left and the strength of, of uh, progressive folks um, might be the difference between um, a successful revolution or a failed revolution in another country, you know? Mm. Um, it might be the difference between uh, an invasion um, in, in another country or, or 
or not not having an invasion, you know? Um, so I think that in we have to fight for the broadest kind of unity in that sense, um, you know, to to fight against uh, these the capitalists and their policies, you know. Mm. And just one more thing, I wanted to make sure it was clear that when I say organize with folks who agree, I definitely don't mean folks who agree on absolutely everything. That's kind of impossible. And I actually think that a feature of a revolutionary organization is having a culture of deep political discussion um, and that that's really normal and expected. Um, I think that that's the only way we can come to deep agreements is if we come with our opinions and discuss them um, and uh, come to to some agreements based on that profound discussion, you know? Um, Trotsky has a great quote where he says a revolutionist is brought up in an atmosphere of criticism to everything existing, um, including their own organization. And I think that that's really true. So I think that on one hand, uh, deep discussion is really important um, and folks coming with their own opinions and saying what they think and analyzing um, is really important. And then I think when I say, like, you know, agree, I think it's on those basic things I was mentioning, you know, uh, the need for revolution, the need to organize separate from the capitalists, the need to be anti-imperialist, which is a big difference between, you know, Trotskyists and Stalinists. You know, Stalin had this idea that you could have socialism in only one country. And, uh, you know, Trotsky was really against that. He was an internationalist. And I think that some of those things are, um, they you know, the basis, the framework with which uh, we can organize. Those are the agreements that we stand on. And standing on those agreements, I think it's really important to to discuss and debate a lot, you know. Um, so I think it has to be a combination of both of those things to, to build a revolutionary organization. Yeah, so I think we're getting close to the end of our time, but I have one more question I wanted to ask, which for those who don't know, Tatiana has been facilitating a reading group about like various socialist revolutions um which i wasn't able to attend because it was on a night that i had work but so maybe this is partially a selfish question because i want to know um but i know one of the things that like that reading group was kind of based around was like what takeaways can we take or can we get from different socialist revolutions that have happened or have come close to happening so i was wondering if you could share maybe some of the like main takeaways that came out of those discussions yeah. Um, yeah. So the the reading group is still happening. So oh, I thought it ended last week. That's my bad. No, false. <laughs> false. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, never mind. <laughs> so yeah, folks who are in New York City, it's for women and non-binary folks. Um, but yeah, so if we're studying uh, the the revolutions or the attempts at revolutions in in the twentieth century, um, and uh, yeah, we did. We've already studied. Uh, Russia, Germany, Spain, we're going into China, and uh, then Cuba. And I think that one of the big takeaways that we've uh, talked a lot about is how um, uprisings, they happen, you know, Um, and they don't really depend on the socialists, usually, you know, Um, they happen. And I think we see how they happen, like even in the US and well, France right now with the yellow vest, Um, uprisings happen. And whether that uprising is able to um, propel itself um, to be uh, a successful revolution where the working class uh, expropriates the capitalists, a lot of that depends on um, how prepared um, the the socialists are, you know, Um, on how prepared socialists arrive at that moment, you know. Uh, Are folks prepared with a plan or... um, or are folks, uh, you know, scrambling in the moment, you know? Um, and so I think that the role of uh, the party, uh, the role of, um, of socialists is uh, really decisive, you know? Um, and and, and uh, a big part of the reason uh, whether a revolution is successful or not has to do with, um, yeah, with, with the role of, of socialists with the role of a group that uh, wants to crush the capitalist state. Um, mm. Without it, I think it's, it's real hard to, 
to have a successful revolution, you know? So just to, to clarify, like one last question, and this is um, another like, you know, pretty small one shouldn't take too much thought to answer. <laughs> when you talk about like a revolution and socialists being ready for a revolution, um, in the the case of like the United States, for example, what what do you what do you mean by a revolution? What do you imagine that might look like? Um, that okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think about like what I can say <laughs> that like you know um yeah won't well, I don't know put me in jail <laughs> you know. Um, well, I don't think any cops listen to our show. <laughs> I think that's probably not yet. Well, but I also always think about how like this shit is gonna like come back and get us fucking hung someday. But it's fine. I'm it's here fine. for it. Um. Okay, so how do I envision a revolution in the U.S.? Is that that's the question? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So however you want to answer it is fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's hard to. I think to begin with, I don't think that it's going to happen in the U.S. first. <laughs> Let's just put mm. it this way. <laughs> um, I find it, uh, but you know, who knows? I've been surprised before. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> But I think that uh, when we think about, about I, I would anticipate that a revolution would probably happen in another country first. Um, and, you know, I think that then we're in a scenario uh, where uh, folks in the U.S. and around the world are like, oh, shit, you know, like this is happening, you know. And I think we saw that, for example, um, in in, with the Russian Revolution, there were uprisings in a whole bunch of places right after the Russian Revolution, particularly in, in Germany, you know. Um, so I think that uh, the first part of it is going to have to be uh, a struggle to defend uh, another country, you know. Um, I imagine that the U.S. is going to have to play a very, that the U.S. socialists and the U.S. working class is going to have to play a really important role um, in ensuring um that the U.S. Um, doesn't uh, interfere as much as it wants to um, in in processes in other countries, um, and I think that you know the way I, I kind of think about it is that um, I imagine that in the U.S. Uh, issues like Black struggle um, are uh, incredibly explosive um, here. I think we've seen that before, you know, um, and I think that you know if we think about I don't know, Baltimore uh, a couple of years ago with Black Lives Matter uh, or Ferguson, you know, um, I think that, well, what would that have looked like if uh, if there were uh, socialists in the working class uh, ready, you know, um, and by that by ready, I mean, um, I mean, ready to go on strike. Right. Like what if every time what if what if we shut down the subway? What if we closed the schools? What if we went on strike? You know, um, not you know shut down because the working class voted it you know um, in a in a union meeting you know <laughs> um, and I think that's the thing we need to build those kind of structures um, so when I think about revolution in the U.S. my hypothesis and this is just you know who knows how it's going to happen um, is that I think that particularly issues around oppression are really explosive but uh, the key to it is if we can connect. Uh, the strength of the working class, the strength of, you know, running all of society um, to this struggle against oppression, to the anger um, at the capitalist state that has, you know, uh, an, a special kind of dictatorship, by special I mean terrible kind of dictatorship for black folks in this country, you know. Um, so I think that there's a lot of anger there. And if we can connect those things, I don't know, I think that's my hypothesis is that that's the way it's going to go. But who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. <laughs> well, we really appreciate your, your taking the time to share the answers that you do have with us. Um, this has been a super interesting conversation. Um, and I, for one, have really enjoyed getting your perspective on these things. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, let's 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 talk about Bernie Sanders. What? Yeah. So that's my question. What do you think about Bernie Sanders? <laughs> I got very simple. Well, give yeah. us your Bernie uh, hot take. Well, yeah, and how does that fit into like all the things we've been talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. Or relate to it, yeah. Yeah. So um, I would be part of the uh, left opposition to Bernie Sanders, if you will. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I I'm, I'm not supporting Bernie Sanders. Um, and I think the reason, uh, I think we all, maybe we all, I think a lot of folks kind of know, uh, the ways that Sanders is, um, quite far from, from being the kind of socialist that, uh, that we would want, you know, I don't think he's actually a socialist at all. Um, I think that to begin with, right. Um, He's really, I, I see him really um, strengthening the Democratic Party and getting people excited about elections, you know, and getting people excited about particularly the Democratic Party elections. Like, I know lots of folks who are out right now, um, you know, registering people as Democrats, you know, and like we said, the Democrats, the party of Wall Street, of imperialism, of bombs and coups. And that's, that's what, you know, people are out encouraging people to register as Democrats um, in order to vote for Bernie Sanders. And so I think that he's playing a role in really holding up uh, a party that, you know, really um, is our enemy, you know. Um, I think that he spent the last couple years uh, trying to prove himself to the Democratic Party establishment that, you know, that really he could be uh, a respectable uh, candidate, you know. Um, whether that was, you know, accepting the fact that they cheated him out of the nomination, uh, it, you know, and campaigning for Hillary Clinton, even though folks really didn't, a lot of folks really didn't want him to. Um, he campaigned for a pro-life Democrat, you know. Right, um, yeah. He, you know, he, uh, and, and his, and, and so I think he, and his foreign policy, even before this and after this, his foreign policy has always been a mess, you know. Um, you know, more recently, the things he said or not said about Venezuela, you know, uh, talking about, you know, there was there was an attempted when the attempted coup was happening and um, the, the U.S. was trying to organize the coup via sending in in a lot of quotes, humanitarian aid. And by <laughs> the way, the U.S. is never humanitarian ever. <laughs> and, you know. Homeboy tweeted, like, uh, you know, the, the U.S. is trying to send humanitarian aid. Um, and, and you know, no, the U.S. is not humanitarian, Bernie Sanders. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and Bernie Sanders has, has voted to fund bombings. The Bernie Sanders actually has voted to fund the border wall that Donald Trump is building right now, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not into any of that. I, I don't think that, um, I think that as socialists, um, we can't build our project on the back of the most oppressed, you know, um, the most oppressed people among us are not expendable, you know, and so we can't, I can't support someone who voted Sesta Fosta, um, or, you know, who voted, uh, to extradite Asada Shakur, which he did, um, or who voted to fund the border wall, uh, or to fund ICE, um, or who, who is against BDS, right, which is like, the minimal step uh, when we think about um, the the what's going on in Palestine, um, I think we can't support someone who you know voted to fund the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and um, someone you know who's providing a left cover for imperialism, which is what he's doing in in Venezuela right now. Um, you know, he he said you know oh the people in Venezuela have a humanitarian crisis. Um, Maduro needs to allow humanitarian aid in the country, um, which, you know, really, um, was the, the humanitarian, the quote humanitarian aid was, uh, the setup in order to, to make sure that, uh, the coup happened in Venezuela. So I think that we can't endorse, we can't support anyone who sees what the U S empire does is humanitarian. Um, I think that, um, if we want socialism, um, we have to organize for it, right? And I think we have to be realistic 
Um, and I think that being realistic means um, that, that we have to know who our enemies are, you know? Um, and we can't uh, pretend that they are weak or that they, um, or that they can be taken over by um, a few socialists, you know? I think we have to be realistic. Um, if we want socialism, we have to build it. Uh, we have to build for the thing we want, not for the things we don't want, you know? So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not supporting Bernie Sanders. I think that I think we gotta, we have to organize for, for socialism for real. And to people who would argue, like, you know, A, that with, like, impending climate disaster, this is sort of, like, the best that we're going to get right now. Or to people who say that, like, Bernie Sanders is bringing socialism into a mainstream American conversation in a way it's never been or, you know, hasn't been for decades. What, how would you respond to that? Yeah, so those are two separate questions. So I'm going to take them yes, separately. Yes, no, definitely. Um, I think that the, the question about him bringing socialism into the mainstream, I think that on one hand, um, I think that what's happening is that Bernie Sanders is a symptom, you know, a symptom of the capitalist crisis, like I was mentioning when we first started out, you know, um, he's a, a symptom of a generation that um, is, is going to live worse than their parents did, you know, um, folks who... Uh, lived through the 2008 crisis and didn't have jobs, through Occupy Wall Street, through Black Lives Matter, um, and and who are like, nah, this system doesn't work for me, you know? Um, and so I think he's a symptom of that. Um, and he's able to articulate that anger, you know, at the at the system. The And I, I think that's pretty clear that, that, you know, Bernie Sanders has been around for a long time, you know? He's, he's not... He's, yeah. He's, he's, not he's not new, <laughs> um, and yet why Bernie now? And I think why Bernie now is because he's articulating something that that's um, that people are thinking about, you know, because of the uh, political and economic moment that we're in. And so, um, and so, w I you know I don't I don't get to control you know I don't control what everybody th in the world thinks, but I can control is well how do how do I and the socialists that I know uh, relate to this phenomena, you know, because it's a phenomena outside of anybody uh, that's listening to this podcast, you know, um, it, it's just, it's, it's happening in the world. The question is, how do we relate to it, you know? And I think on the one hand, we have to, um, you know, really uh, be excited about the fact that people are open to the idea of socialism. And uh, we can't be kind of, like, I know better than you or like, whatever. Um, but we also got to be real, you know, uh, with folks, you know, we can't, um, can't underestimate our enemies, we can't lie to folks. So I think we have to be real, like, Bernie Sanders isn't going to get us socialism, you know. Um, and who knows what reforms Bernie will or will not be able to get the reforms he's able to get or not, uh, depends on how organized we are. Um, that's what they depend on, you know. Um, and so let's organize. You know, um, because I don't trust those fuckers that have fucked us over uh, for for decades, you know, <laughs> um, and those politicians in both the Democrat and Republican parties. Mm. So um, so I think that's kind of the discussion um, is is, you know, we don't choose the phenomena, but we do choose how we relate to it. And I think we have to relate to it by uh, trying to build uh, something that is um, that is independent from the capitalists. Um, yeah. And I think, so I think that's the answer to the, how I would see the answer to the first question. And I think the, the question about, you know, reforms getting passed, I, I kind of, um, already alluded to it, you know, I think that, um, capitalism never hands us shit, right? Um, what we get, we get cause we fight. And so I think that, um, you know, am I for fighting for reforms? Fuck yes. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, uh, I think that we, have to fight for reforms um, in uh, in a way that a we can get those reforms right without trusting that politicians will hand them to us. Mm. Um, so I think we have to we can't we can't you know be naive in that way and, and just trust that they're going to give us things. Um, and I also think that you know if we organize for reforms um, in 
our workplaces and in our places of study, building the strength of building our strength as workers, um, that also strengthens us towards towards revolution, you know? So, you know, fighting for reforms, if we fight for them um, independent of the capitalists, um, then actually we're also uh, fighting to, to build something revolutionary, you know? Um, but, but if we um, sort of try to, if we give the folks around us the illusion that maybe sometimes those parties could be for us, um, then I think that, that you know, we're, we're really losing um, an opportunity, an opportunity where folks are, are kind of like, you know, maybe socialism. Hmm, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. Great. Well, yeah, I think um, that's a great sort of a great way to close out. Um, hopefully folks are like thinking about some things in new and different ways. Um, it's been, like I said, a total pleasure to have you on. Um, and I'm excited to, yeah, get this one out there. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, that was fucking informative and cool. So, um, <laughs> Thanks to Tatiana, of course. Um, we'll link to her Twitter in the description. So if you want to give her a follow um, to hear more of her Trotsky vibes, <laughs> do that. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Season of the Bee. We have a website, seasonofthebee.com. If you have ideas for... Um, different episodes or if you want to send us your music if you are um, a woman or non-binary person who makes music you can send them to us at season of the bee at gmail.com um you should give us your money on patreon because you know the revolution isn't gonna fund itself (laughs) (laughs) um and you know rate review subscribe on itunes love it Yeah. Uh, All right. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Season of the bitch.